0: This is Tiger and Crane Minute, minute 33. Opening Frame Sing Chen is halfway through a series of practice moves trying to master the crane style. Liu Kang standing around watching him chewing on a piece of straw. After several maneuvers and poses, Sing Chen asks Liu Kang for some constructive criticism to improve his technique. Ha huh, terrible! Sing Chen, ever the optimist, replies. I know. I'll keep practicing though. Before asking Liu Kang how he is doing, which he responds by saying Not bad. Before going into a series of palm thrusts with corresponding air thump noises. (laughs) Liu Kang calls this The Tiger's entry. Much to the disappointment of Sing Chen, who walks away to work on his crane moves with his own accompanying foley effects. As the camera zooms in and blurs on Chen's pecs, we cut to a round table as Lu Ting Chao waits for more leaders of the schools to arrive. His governmental lackey impatiently proclaims, The crane school people? Where are they? They got the invitation, I know that! Before someone announces the arrival of our favourite crane school master, Cheng Li Fu. A close-up shot of Lu Ting Chu shows his pleasure at finally meeting the old man from one of the strongest schools in the province. Chung Li Fu coughs as he walks towards the center of the arena, a potential sign of weakness in an area full of masters and students from the other schools. He gestures to everyone and apologizes for being late. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he's met halfway across the path. Teacher Chung, you're late. Oh. On the closing frame, Chung Li Fu is being gestured directly towards Wu Ting Chu, and perhaps a grisly demise via the iron claws so in this minute we get a lot of um preparation between the two students i mean the head students of their schools but they're clearly lousy at trying to learn each other's particular styles it doesn't really help that there is this antagonism between these two characters almost immediately off the bat some of this has to do with their perceived or potential affections for Hung Yin, which is not really surprising. It's you know she's the only uh, female character in here. Uh, there's clearly some sort of relationship between uh, Hung Yin and Liu Kang in the past. If that's still ongoing or not, it's never really mentioned upon. Although you know spoilers later on in the movie, it's it becomes more clear that the hung yin and sing chen develop more of a close relationship especially when they're on the run from uh, looting chao's forces but this is actually quite a good minute for uh, you know really showing without really saying too much about these two characters and their personalities lu kang being a lot more confident and arrogant sing chen being a bit more I guess, down to earth, a bit more aware of his own follies and foibles. And, you know, he just kind of wants to do the right thing. He wants to learn the crane school to reunite the schools together, whereas Liu Kang just doesn't want to do anything with this guy. He he thinks he's the best. (laughs) This is, of course, after the boxing they both got after the first uh, tussle between the two of them. You know, that infamous scene in the bedroom with uh Ming-Fu chastising them both for, you know, not cooperating together. And we start to see a bit of, you know, there's some machismo here, but there is still this thing where there does seem to be the, the starting of the bond between these two characters, which will, of course, be further developed uh, over the next few minutes. But more importantly, we're getting to the big confrontation between Lu Ting-chu and Cheng ling fu the uh, you know these two rival masters and we kind of know this is a very uneven battle I mean you've got this guy who is like already seen like beating up the master of what is supposed to be like one of the strongest schools the tiger school you know sing chen's master you know does get killed in this uh, confrontation but it does at least uh, lead to the reunification of the tiger and crane schools speaking of the crane school you've got this master who you know comes across as very knowledgeable and potentially was very powerful in his day However, he is in the body of a weak man. He is, you know, hunched over. He has to walk with a crane. He's got this cough that does never seems to go away. He excuses his tardiness on his illness. You know, it's all these great signifiers that he is not a well man. However, his reputation, his stance, it all demands respect, and there's even this kind of hope that. When these two do battle you kind of hope that he's going to win in you know he's not it's just one of those conventions in filmmaking we're a half hour into this film there's still an hour to go you can't really have the main bad guy be defeated he has the main bad guy has to win this it wouldn't be dramatic otherwise but there's always going to be this question mark on will this guy survive the battle he is literally dying on screen as we see it I I really enjoy the cinematography on this. I'll have to say it's it's very simple, you know, it's just simple movements, some couple of zoom shots. To, that's actually a really kind of cool transition. It's um you know, zooming into the protagonist and you know, getting it leading to this really interesting shot above the round table of the bad guy. You know, he's the transition between somebody who is relatively vulnerable and is trying to you know fight for their life they know they are at this stage where they will die if they try and confront the bad guys. so they have to train they have to be good at this completely alien style of fighting but that's what's necessary to well fulfill the prophecy fulfill the i don't know you know fulfill fate bring these two things together um Fulfill a promise to his master. It's all about obligation, but there's also this kind of background thing of the the world kind of also in that conflict. And you know maybe okay. So Looting Chow becomes almost a symbol of the oppression that the villagers are being subjected through from the Japanese occupational forces. It's always kind of true about a lot of media. Your protagonist and your antagonist become symbols for the overall conflict. This conflict being directly set in the Second Sino-Japanese War between the Republic of China and the Empire of Japan. So, you know, there's a lot of symbology and all that. Coming at this from a Western culture, you know, uh, European style background, we're not used to seeing a lot of the uh, differences between Asian countries and other things. Without trying to sound too jingoistic, you know, a lot of Western media will portray a Japanese person, a Chinese person as the same thing. So it's actually really kind of interesting to watch this film and see how These two forces are interacting with each other, and I think it adds a lot of humanity to the proceedings. To know that you know we all tend to deal with conflicts in roughly the same way, and we're all affected by conflict, and we're all. I don't. I I think I'm losing. I think I'm losing myself in this. But it is an interesting thing to as a as a cultural artifact. We don't tend to see this kind of divide in. It's it's always an us versus them mentality, but unfortunately you know fucking Westerners, we always try and put them as anyone who isn't you know, the straight white male. And that's something we don't really get on here. We don't get the sense that uh Jimmy Wang used trying to uh uh say ephematize the Japanese forces or anywhere, which is something Westerners tend to do sometimes, you know. In fact, <laughs> portraying Ling Ting Chao as this near-impossibly strong villain, who will learn in a few minutes from now is quite literally indestructible. <laughs> you know, the the film also points to like his points of weakness. Something that uh, I, you know, it's implied that uh, Chung Li Fu actually you know, perceives as his vulnerable points. These little triangles, which become a major plot point later on. And it's just really good storytelling, and I, I think that's why this is an absolutely, phenomenally good uh, movie. And it, it's almost like you wish someone would come along and uh, do something with this movie, you know, revitalize it, uh, reintegrate it. Um, def- It definitely deserves a remake of some kind of description. But alas, uh, nobody's really interested in old cinema nowadays. I mean, everything about remakes is always, you know, trying to take some classic pop culture phenomenon from, especially from the eighties, remake that. Re, just you know, Hollywood is just trying to recycle ideas because it doesn't want to invest in new ones. It definitely doesn't want to try I and mean, look at uh, filmmakers from outside its own area, which which is a shame. But. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe there is a, a maverick filmmaker who will take can take something like this and do it something uh, with it. Maybe reinterpret it in a way that's like I don't know. May, could be science fiction. Could be uh, you know. Could be a horror film. Could be a comedy. You never know. It's just a shame. Like you know, a, a movie like this hasn't been like digitally restored at least. um there are some copies of this on YouTube, I found a widescreen Mandarin, there's also a VHS copy of the English dub, but for the most part, that's about it. It hasn't really had a wide release since, uh, 1980-something, so who knows. Maybe sometime in the future. Hell, if this podcast gets popular, maybe, don't know, no, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe Jimmy Wang Yu will, uh, we reach out and we can have a discussion talk about uh tiger and crane fist in more detail and you know you know we've still got plenty of minutes to go in this movie so uh i hope you'll uh stick around and follow me for the next few minutes i mean yeah it's gonna we're gonna get some exciting stuff but in the meantime uh Please check me out on Fandom Crossing. I have, uh, Ko-Fi. I used to have Patreon, but I've shut it down because no one was supporting me. That's okay, but, you know, like our Facebook pages. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Do all that algorithm stuff, you know, write your review. I don't know. Just do whatever you want. But ultimately, I hope you're keeping well. The pandemic has been really tough. I've gotten insanely busy this year with, uh, Starting a full time course while also doing an old time course. I also have done some other podcasts, including Trust Us, We Know What We're Doing, with my co host Courtney Colson, where we're going through the entire backlog of Sledgehammer episodes, a TV series I love from my past. And i having fun introducing that to the future. So until next time, see ya!